0: Welcome to the Men Submit Podcast, your regular roundup of female-led relationship advice, power exchange information, and all manner of other interestingly kinky stuff. But a quick warning before we begin. This podcast contains adult content and adult language. It even contains such titillating information as relationship advice. Still with us? Great! If you find yourself with a burning question or comment about female-led relationships, dominance, or submission, then we welcome you to come to www.mensubmit.com and click on the button descriptively labeled Want to Tell Us Something? Now, on with the show! On Saturday, April 26th, Men Submit is holding a Cock and Tail CFNM party. For those who are unfamiliar with that term, CFNM stands for Clothed Female, Naked Male. This is a chance for you submissive men to get naked and serve cocktails and food to dominant women with your cock and tail showing. For more information on this party, go to www.mensubmit.com and click on the CFNM Cock and Tail Party. Welcome to our Men Submit podcast for today. We have a guest podcaster. I'm not sure if podcaster is the right word, but going Speaker, for podcaster. We have a guest. We have a guest, <laughs> have a guest um, Eva Blake, um, and she's here to talk about anal play. Um, so Eva, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little about yourself?
1: Sure. So I am located in Portland, Oregon and I am a certified sexological body worker, which basically means that I know how to touch the body and the genitals for educational purposes, as well as arousal and pleasure, and essentially being able to teach folks how to use their body for pleasure. I have a private practice here in Portland uh, where I work with individuals and couples, and I teach classes. What a fun uh, job. From very small to very large. It's a very, very fun job. <laughs> I love what I do. And, and anal play is one of my most favorite subjects to talk about um, because everybody can play. So that's, <laughs> that's what I love most about it.
0: So do you want to tell us the name of your business?
1: Yes, absolutely. So you can find me at www.liberatingdesire.com. And you can find me on Facebook at Liberating Desire and on Twitter at Liberate Desire. I am on the internet. You are allowed and encouraged to be in touch with me.
0: <laughs> Terrific. And we'll put that in our um, notes for the podcast also so people can, um, yeah. can reference back to that. Great. So we saw you, uh, we, we listened to your talk at Kinkfest um when we were there a few weeks ago in Portland and it was a terrific talk
2: yeah it was really good we loved your use of technology to to make it absolutely clear what you were talking about
0: given up close and personal view of everything going on
2: yeah and that Thank was you. I have to admit that was the first fisting I had ever witnessed so it was a big day for me <laughs> not, as, not as big as if I were actually being fisted but it was still a big day <laughs>
1: <laughs> so it was the first time you had ever seen fisting at all, or anal fisting.
2: Anal fisting, yeah. yeah. It's
1: very, it's it's a very uh, powerful experience on both ends. I imagine I personally have never been anally fisted, but being the one whose hand is, you know, going into this hole, it is. It, it is a very incredible experience. And you know what I, for anyone who has any desire to experience fisting from either direction, go slow. I can't, mm. I can't stress how important taking your time and relaxing and, you know, stopping if you need to. Um, but going right. slow is the absolute most Im- important aspect of any kind of anal play as far as I am concerned.
2: Actually, that was one of the things that was really quite um, powerful and, and intimate, sitting there watching that, was just, um, for a lot of the, the presentations, they really wanted to squeeze a lot in, so they ha- they were moving faster and faster, whereas what I really enjoyed about your presentation was that it was all about, it was, it was a very gradual, slow process, there was a lot of sort of nuance, we had time to listen to their sounds and um, and be amazed by how into it they were.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, I think that part that you just said, listen to their sounds is so important. I think that when we, when we get into the asshole, um, we have the opportunity to let everything else just completely drift away. And, you know, in a lot of other aspects of kink and play and sexuality, um, that is also true. Mm. And for me, um, I find that it there's a particular a particular flavor um, when we're playing with the asshole and and being able to listen to someone's sounds or watch them breathe or see the way that their eyes kind of maybe roll into the back of their head um,
3: <laughs> right.
1: are really the cues that we're looking for about whether or not we're going in the right direction, or we're moving too fast or too slow, or whether or not we're both really enjoying our experience together. You know, I really hope that in my personal experiences, when I'm playing this way, that our breath, you know, is is really in tune like we're finding a rhythm together and we're really um along the same path it's almost as if we're we've got the same kind of heartbeat going on yeah, that's, right. that's really that what really I, came I across
2: liked. too yeah there was almost like a symbiosis going on it was it was cool um yeah. one word that you use in the presentation and i i don't want to if i'm jumping the ju- gun if i could just put a pin in this word mm-hmm. was you talked about um surrender and mm-hmm. the importance of Active, the the submissive, actively seeking surrender, and that really hit me because that you, you're then moving beyond body parts, and it's about mm-hmm. the meaning behind it, isn't it?
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I think that in this in mainstream culture we have this idea that surrender is this experience for the weak, and we surrender when we've like hit the edge of our strength, and then we just collapse, and that's what surrender means. And and I really disagree with that. I think that mm. surrender is an act of strength. It's it's an act of our um, capacity as a human to expand, um, even if what we're doing is getting smaller. But when we're talking about anal play, the surrender is this active movement into how can I make my body a little bit softer? How can I Mm. welcome in someone literally into my body, not just into my space or into my mind, but really into my body? Right. And I think what's so important about why that's an active experience is because literally the tissue of the anus and the rectum is so full of nerve endings and emotional information that it really is important that we, we take our time and allow a gradual unfolding and an unwinding to occur. And that's, what, that's the part that I'm really fascinated and really intrigued by because fucking hard and pounding can be great fun. And you know I, I can be very overjoyed with that um on any in any um aspect, in any role that I'm playing, but but there's something very, very sweet um, about taking my time and going really slow and and being in a very, very conscious relationship with my body, with my ass, with my pelvis, with my asshole, and and really see if me, if I'm receiving, can I communicate? with my body to soften mm. and allow someone to come into me. Right. So that's, that's how I think about that active surrender piece. Yeah,
2: you're giving a picture of it as something that takes a lot of will, I guess, and, and thought and attention. It's not just something that happens when you've given up, as you say. It's something that you strive for.
1: Right. Mm. Right. It does take a lot of attention. It does take a lot of attention because I think that because of the natural processes, I think that most people are really nervous of. They're nervous of poop. They're nervous of farting. You know, they're right. nervous that this is going to be messy and gross and terrible. So, because that that is a lot of our experience with our butthole, um, most of us tighten up. We clench. We don't want anybody near it. We are, you know, we want to try and control this experience, right? I mean, our, our butthole, our genitals are really the first place in our body, um, that we get a lot of feedback about how we're behaving as people, right? Mm, we get, we yeah. get, you know, a lot of excitement, you know, if we, um, get toilet trained or if someone's changing our diapers, they make funny faces cause it smells or they even like, you know, hold babies far away from them, right? Mm. So there are all these ways in which our bodies have experienced some kind of stimulus. Um, a lot of it being negative around how our body functions, right, and, and right. we have that experience as adults too. So it, it's still a place that, where that, stuff that can happen go. that
2: you can't control, right? Like every day, you you've got all these functions that are going on that have nothing to do with with your willpower. They're just stuff that happens because you have a body.
0: Exactly. I remember years ago when I was first entering the kink scene, I heard a lady speak about, um, I don't even think she was speaking about anal play, but I don't even remember what the topic was. But the the question came up about, you know, what about mess? You know, what, what about mess when you're playing? And, um, you know, she very powerfully said, you know, look, if you enjoy the person that you're playing with, you shouldn't worry about,
3: mm.
0: you know, a little mess. Every Everything has a little mess associated <laughs> yeah, with <right>. it. <laughs> so just, you know, get over relax. it and relax about it and enjoy the person. And I thought, oh, that was really good advice yeah. that she had given out. And I was really impressed by that.
1: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree anymore. You know, and I think that it's smart. If you're going to, um, you know, play in your bed, then, you know, it's it's wise to have um, some hand towels and right. or a body towel that you're on top of, right? Or, you right. know, you're using gloves or you have some baby wipes so that... You know, even if there is a little bit of debris in the area, you can just wipe it off and keep going right and that's why I love using gloves because I just take the glove off and then I throw the glove to the side and then we can continue and do something else and and neither one of us have to run away and take a shower or bath or something. Right. We can just keep going and it can be a really seamless, easy um transition.
2: yeah, I could see that as you say, you can just kind of focus on how it feels rather than worrying about journeys.
1: <laughs>
0: right. So, what equipment or materials do you keep on hand when you do anal play? Like, what what do you use regularly?
1: Mm-hmm. So, I I always use gloves, um, and and I use um, nitrile gloves instead of latex or vinyl. Um, and I typically turn the gloves inside out because they're usually smoother on the inside of the glove than on the outside. Mm. On the outside, on the fingers. It's sort of there's like tiny little nubs on them, and that helps you grab things easier. But when we're talking about going into an orifice, it's really nice to have that really smooth, silky side. Mm. So I always have gloves. Um, I have a variety of different kinds of lubes that I use, um, and usually they're all some sort of natural version or an organic version of lubricant just because I don't want to put any kind of glycerin or sugary. you know, product inside somebody's body just because that can tend to lead to things like a yeast infection. Um, and I, like I said, I usually have um, some kind of towel, like a, a body towel or some hand towels. I'll usually have um, like baby wipes or some kind of wet, something wet, just so that if I need to wipe off, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. really simple and really easy. Um and and that's that's really it. I also use um, in terms of lubrication. Um, I use different things for different people. Some people like coconut oil or almond oil, and that can be really great because then with something like an oil, I can actually do a lot of like massage on the butt and on the legs, and really spend a lot of time just enjoying the entire terrain of the backside before <laughs> I even go in. And if somebody um, is is, um, not allergic to either one of those things, coconut oil or almond oil, that'll totally work great as a lubricant if you go really slow. But if you want to start moving really, really fast, then, um, it's actually better to have, um, a lubricant that is made specifically for, um, more of that fast moving friction and penetration.
0: Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, what is your feeling on, um, stuff that numbs the anus, like, Elise I think is one of them or um, you know I hear people that are very pro that and for right. people that are very against it so
1: yeah um, for me I have never tried any of these things um, never tried any kind of um, lidocaine or, or the product that you mentioned um, I'm not a fan of it um, in a theoretical sense because what I really want to do is I really want to feel and I really encourage the people that I'm with to actually feel their bodies and right. You know, and in a situation where you cannot literally feel um the skin, you don't know if your own body is tearing. You don't know if there's a, a a rip or a tear that's happening. And you can't really sort of measure the edges of your own comfort zone. Um and I think that I think that that means that we might have the tendency to push past what is actually really comfortable for that moment. Right. And I also think that It sort of feels to me like that's probably in the same category as feeling really goal oriented, right? Like, if I really want to be fisted, you know, and I really want that fisting to happen today, then I'm going to do whatever I can to make that happen. And sometimes your body's just not ready for it. And that's okay if your body's not ready for it. Maybe it'll be ready for it in a week. And between now and then, you can get a lot of great anal play without having to push past the edge and hurt yourself right
2: yeah right yeah and speaking as a submissive you know it's most fun when there's a bit of a struggle to (laughs) to get there anyway (laughs) you don't want to sort of uh not feel anything right
0: what um what are there any safety issues that we haven't talked about that people need to be aware of
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, don't put anything in there that you won't be able to retrieve later. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that strikes me as very
0: wise. <laughs> Having worked
1: in healthcare,
0: right? I know the stories.
1: <laughs> right? Yeah. So everything it needs there needs to be like a flange, a lip, a some kind of uh, you know rope. Like there's got to be there's got to be an edge that you can grab and and um, you know hold so that you can. It can come out.
2: Mm.
0: Yeah, and suction right? is bad.
1: Right. <laughs> you
0: don't want to <laughs> put things in with suction. That
2: <laughs> right. That makes sense.
0: So, mm-hmm. Uh,
1: mm-hmm. what
0: other issues, safety issues, are there?
1: Sure. Um, anything that um, you know, I don't use any kind of. Um, Silicone products that are not um, high grade, medical grade silicone. So, if you're using any kind of like jelly toys or, um, you know, just sort of low rung um, toys, I highly recommend making the investment, spending the $100 for a higher end product because it's going to last longer and it's not going to degrade over time and literally degrade inside your body. We really don't want that to happen. We want the whatever is going in your body to be really healthy and good for your body. So um, that's really important because some of those, um, you know, different kinds of toys can get little cracks or Mm. little breaks or little tears in them. And then that can actually um, create a little bit of inflammation or, you know, pain inside the body. And that's not really good because then, you know, when you poop the next day um, you might feel that and it might feel like a burning sensation or you might actually get, um, a tear um, in the rectal lining and then you may see blood in your stool and a that's just a terrible freak out and you know no one really needs that much kind of freak out um, in my opinion yep. and um and and b you know it's just a pain in the ass right <laughs> literally
0: <laughs> literally
1: and figuratively
0: literally,
1: right? <laughs> yes yes Right. Uh, so I think it's I think it's about thinking about like products that are um, you know that are really well made and don't have um, cuts or tears in them or sharp edges. Right. So if you right. are going to stick something in there that is funky shaped because you know you you want to torture your bottom, that's great. Just make sure that it's smooth all the way around. Mm. Right. Right. It's yep. not like a wooden spoon that has splinters. Right. Right.
0: Right. Um, have you had any disasters in your anal play in the past?
1: Um, I can't say that I have actually, I think that, um, I think that things that have been hardest are, um, is not the mess. Actually, it's more of the emotional mess that comes up for Mm. people. Um, because the, because the, um, the rectum is, Smooth muscle. It has an emotional tone to it, which basically just means that you know we've carried a lot of emotional information all of our life, and most of us um, hold hold real tight our assholes, mm. and we could probably break a pencil squeezing <laughs> right. so tightly, right? And so because we are constantly holding right? There's a way that our body is not able to process the information, Mm. whatever that is, whether it's trauma or sadness or grief. um, Somehow, our pelvic bowl simply just hangs on to that information. And so the times where I have needed to um, abandoned anal play, um, have been where there's been a really big emotional experience for the person that I'm with, or even for myself. I mean, I know that for me, I have, um, been receiving touch and somebody hasn't even gone inside, but I just burst into tears and I just want to be held. Mm. You know, I just, I just want to change the scenario because, um, I just needed to, I needed to have that. That was my cathartic release. Right. Like You just needed to touch my asshole for five minutes and then I could have my cathartic release and then we can change the game. Um, so sometimes anal play is very much an emotional experience as opposed to a, a penetrative you know, big fucking experience.
2: Right. And is that what most people are seeking when they come to you, Eva? Are they looking for like, um, are they conscious that they need that kind of touch for a cathartic emotional release? Or uh, is that a surprise that comes and and, and are they more looking for just like the sexual, you know, kinky feeling of, of being penetrated? Like why do they come to you and does it surprise them if the result is different?
1: Hmm. Well, there's, there's a lot of questions all in one. So let me <laughs> let me see what I can. I take tend here. to do that. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. I can process <laughs> it all. So, um, some um, a, a large number of men come to me because they've never had this experience before and they want to try it out, or they've tried to they've tried doing anal touch with themselves, but they're not in a relationship mm. where they're. They're able to explore that with their partner. Right. Um, So they want a safe place with a professional who knows how to do it. And, um, you know, in the work as a sexological body worker, my role is not to be in an intimate relationship with the person that I'm with. My role is to hold space for them and to create an environment where they can really dive into their own sensational experience, right? Into how it feels. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Understood.
1: So, so the boundaries are very clear, and um, for a lot of people who come to me, that is very, very comfortable for them because they don't really actually want to interact with me. Mm. Um, and so, essentially, what I describe to them, and this is this is really true um, for men, is that for some men, um, they can have um, a raging hard on and feel so enlivened and just as if like the blood is just pumping. You know, all throughout their body and just really um, alive like a tiger is mm. how I think of it. Just really nice. alive. Yep. Jaw open wide, teeth showing, just, I want everything. <laughs> um, and on the other end of the spectrum is what I call the low end of the pool. It's a very. Um, soft, sweet. It can be a really emotional space. It can be a place where someone completely trances into their body and with eyes closed, sort of almost like face buried in the pillow. Mm. Um, And there may be no erection at all. Right. And I think that that's the piece that's most challenging for men to experience is having an erotic experience where they don't have an erection and they don't judge it.
2: Wow. That's, There's so much in that. I mean, that really Mm -hmm. resonates for me as a sub, you know, um, even with with other kinds of pain like being spanked or what have you. For Mm -hmm. me, I won't normally get hard, but I'll definitely be in a place. And, it, Mm -hmm. yeah, I get that. It takes a while to kind of get that sorted out in your head if you're coming from the point where, you know, turned on means erection.
1: Right, right. And so it's really a way to you know, shake that paradigm up so that, you know, we can create a wider range of erotic experiences that are not just signified by one, one thing that your genitals are doing.
3: Mm. Yeah. Right.
1: So that's, that's one piece in terms of, you know, for men. Um, the other piece is that I think, I think that this piece that we touched on earlier about surrender is really important because, um by and large most men in our mainstream culture um you know and even in even in some of the the pockets of the kink community don't experience penetration mm. right they experience putting something of theirs into the body of someone else but don't have a lot of experience receiving mm. someone into them and that's a very intimate experience and um, for me, I like to think of it as a piece of feminism that I'm enacting in the world, which is really wow. to help men soften and open and feel what it feels like to be entered. It's almost like bodily empathy, isn't it?
2: Like you can, once you've felt it, you maybe you have a greater capacity to empathize and understand what it what it is.
1: Absolutely, mm. absolutely.
0: You know, it's it's funny because I've. You know, over the years, talked to many, many submissive men, mostly. Mm. Um, and, you know, either, I guess there's probably like three camps I've run into. Either they they really love anal play, um, or they've tried it, and they felt that it didn't really do anything for them. Or they just think that it's a horrible thing, and then you would be considered, you know, homosexual if you had any kind of anal play. Oh, really? Do you run into those kinds of attitudes at all?
1: I do, absolutely, and you know, I'm not, I'm not in the world to um, convince anyone right. um, about about the. Um, you know, what's best for them. I feel like every single one of us are the experts on our own body Mm. and um, ought to be autonomous in our own way unless we're engaged in a very consensual experience to trade that um, power away. So I think, you know, one of the things as you were saying that and going through that list, what came up for me um, initially is that it's actually a very healthful experience. In other words, it's a really good healthy practice to have prostate massage For men, over 50. It doesn't have to be every day. It doesn't even have (laughs) to be every month. But to be able to have someone um, enter, uh, enter your body and be able to touch your prostate and check and see how you know the size and the hardness and the texture and to be able to um massage the prostate in order to release the fluids that are you know have collected there and to be able to essentially just aid the system to move and to process the fluids right mm. and this helps us you know we know because there's a rise of prostate cancer um and there is a particular way that the male pelvis holds on to um tension and space. And so it's actually a, um, a healthy process for folks to have this kind of experience. And what I think is that it's a lot better and sexier and more fun to go to someone like myself, a sexological body worker, than it is to do it with your general practitioner who usually just says, <laughs>
2: right. bend, bend over. over. Yeah.
1: Okay. Snap. Oh. <laughs>
2: Absolutely, right?
1: it, it's actually more fun to go to someone who can chat with you and smile with you and spend time with you and talk about these fears and 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 talk through it um, and go really slow and say, "I'm going to put my hand on your back first, and I'm going to rub your legs, and you know, I'm going to coach you into your breath mm. before we even start touching your behind at all."
0: Yeah, I don't see right. the then, general practitioner doing that. Right. Right. They're the general practitioner
1: doesn't have that much time. <laughs> <laughs> so, um
0: so for our listeners, why don't you describe for us how you find the
1: state? Is that something you can describe? How you find the prostate? Sure, I sure can. I'm going to go I'm going to go real slow. Um, okay, so we have two sphincters. We have an external sphincter and we have an internal sphincter. So, what I'm doing right now is I've made a fist with my left hand, and um, I'm, looking, uh, I'm looking at the way that my first finger sort of wraps inside and my thumb wraps around my first finger. And I'm imagining that that little um, hole that I've created there is the external sphincter. Right. So um, right on the, the outside of um, the anus, that you can feel the external sphincter. This is the, this is the muscle that we have conscious control over. So if we squeeze our asshole or relax or we push out and bear down, this is the place where we're actually really affected. Right, right, right. And then um, basically about, um, you know, I would say the length of your first digit Uh, the first joint in your first finger, generally, roughly, is the distance between the internal sphincter and the external sphincter. So once you just sort of slip in um, past the the external sphincter, right from the outside, right into the inside, you know, if I go in, you know, one little knuckle deep I'm going to get to the internal sphincter. And you can feel it because um, it literally feels like if you were to um, uh, circle your finger all the way around, you would be able to feel what kind of feels like two rings. Uh, and there's there seems to be just like a little space in between, a little softness. And you can feel the two rings. It'll feel like round musculature. Mm. Um, and so... And so, you know, it depends on everybody's body is different, right? Um, But generally speaking, if I am uh, trying to find the male prostate and the behind the butt, the buttocks is up and the cock is down, Mm -hmm. right? I just want to slide in um, about the halfway distance of my finger, which is sort of two, two joints. It can be as close as two joints, or it might be in the whole length of the finger. And the prostate is um, about the size of a walnut, Mm -hmm. generally, um, give or take a little bit. And in the middle of it, it has a divot. um, And the divot is runs lengthwise. And just so happens, that it really fits an index finger quite nicely.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: the body is incredibly elegant right. in its development. So, so the way that you can you can really find that is um, just sliding in, trying to to find that, and 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 pressing down towards the cock. You don't even need to like. You don't need to dig. You don't need to like push around. Um, it should be pretty obvious. The prostate's going to be soft. If it's feeling hard, like a walnut, Mm. then you need to get checked, right? Right. And and what's great about that little divot there in the center is that you can um, drag your finger all the way around and feel the edges of the prostate. And if it's bigger on one side of the divot than the other, also, that can be um, an indicator that you may need to get checked out.
2: Right. Have you ever found something that needed to be checked
1: um i have and i've talked to different people and um when i have done that the folks who i have worked with have said i'm i'm in a process with a doctor right and this this has only happened you know twice in hundreds of trials (laughs) (laughs) trials i
0: like that um, do you find any differences between um, anal play with men and with women other than, you know, obvious that men have a cock, but that doesn't matter for <laughs> anal play. But um, do you find any differences?
1: You know, one of the differences is that usually um, pressing into the, the female prostate or into the G spot um, can be a little bit tricky Um but it's really generally in the same place as if you were pressing into the male prostate. Um, so it, the, the geography um, isn't terribly different. It's just in a different orifice. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has a different feel to it, right? So the G-spot's going to be softer as opposed to um, the prostate um, that is inside um, the rectum. Mm-hmm. You know, the thing that I find when I when I touch the, the asshole of, um, of a female body person or, um, you know, a, a woman is, um, usually that there's a, a lot more movement involved. And what I mean by that is, you know, I think that, um, men in this culture are conditioned to not move a whole lot during sex, mm. not move a whole lot during, um, you know, some kind of um, genital play, and what I mean by that is, you know, when I play with women, there is much more of a tendency to like rock the pelvis mm-hmm. and move the pelvis around, and and I really have to do a lot of coaching with men to move their pelvis around, and really almost almost in a way to 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 really say trust me, this is going to be better for you. You'll like this more if you have a little bit more motion in your body. Mm. And I find that women just have a lot more, (laughs) a lot more motion, like their spine, you know, just becomes like an ocean and there's just a lot more movement in the body in general. And so that way when the person moves and I can just, I can just stay in the same place. And then that means that they can move and find the right rhythm for themselves, Right. whether it's you know, moving against the, the feel of whatever is, is penetrating, or if I'm just in there and I stay tight, then we can just move together. And so they can literally rock back and forth on my hand or a dildo or, you know, whatever it is that, or a butt plug, mm. whatever it is that's there.
2: Now you're making me wonder if guys you see end up with a side benefit of becoming better dancers.
0: <laughs> yeah, there you go. Anal play equals better dancing.
2: Well, you know, moving the hel- pelvis and getting into it more.
0: Right. Or maybe the guys that right, are better absolutely. dancers are better at moving for anal. Maybe it's the it's other way around.
2: Egg. Who knows?
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm seeing a laboratory experiment coming up. <laughs> oh.
0: You know, I think you could do a study on that. I'm sure you could get some kind of government funding for it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kickstarter. I'll let you know how
0: that goes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um so now let's say you found the prostate. What is the process for milking?
1: Mm. So milking the prostate is, you know, something that's totally uh in my experience sort of like a, a um I'm imagining like the neon light <laughs> sort of far away in the oasis, right? It's like blinking like milk me, milk me and um <laughs> And, you know, like anything, like fisting, um, it's something that you really have to work up to and you really have to practice. I have only ever had one successful milking experiment um, out of, you know, like I said, hundreds of people that I've I've had my hands on and in. And, you know, that was somebody who had been doing anal play and prostate play for years. And so they were really used to the feel. They were really used to their own body sensations. They could really track what was happening inside of them. Mm. And essentially, all it meant was that I was just you know, fingering the prostate over and over and over and doing literally the same motion while they moved their body and they continued to breathe and they were able to regulate the the arousal with their own genitals. So in other words, th- that man was touching his own cock. Ah,
2: oh, right, right, right.
1: And he wasn't, he wasn't completely stroking his cock up and down over and over and over again. He would stroke for a few minutes and then he would stop and let that sort of... Um, excitement subside for a little kind while like and then the pelvis would open it. again. Right. And we would go sort of go back and forth and back and mm. forth and back and forth together.
2: And was it, did it end in sort of an orgasm, like in a, what you would recognize as an orgasm or was it a different destination?
1: hmm So there was an experience of, um, you know, a fluid coming mm-hmm. out of the cock. Um it didn't look the same as um what ejaculate looks like that's like super um super mm. white and really creamy it it was much more of um it was, it was somewhere between super creamy and super clear right, right? so it's, you know in the middle there and there wasn't a whole lot of it um you know so, so some of that came out and then what we did with this particular person was um He did a process, um, a breath work process called the big draw, Mm. which essentially means that we breathed together very fast for a few minutes and then um, we took very long, slow breaths together and then essentially he clinched his whole body, Mm. all the muscles in the body, and then held that last breath while clinching all of the muscles. And what that did essentially was create... Um, it mimicked uh, an orgasm. So the the bearing down, the holding was the mechanism by which the um, the blood vessels could release yeah. and relax, and the whole body could go into a full body orgasm. Wow.
2: It must have been an amazing thing to see, to be part of.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's and it's totally, it's, it's a very simple process for any of us to be able to do. Mm. It just takes a little bit of time to learn how to do it. And then, we, you know, we can practice it. So this particular um, breath practice is something that I've done in my own personal solo sex um, sessions that I do with myself. If I feel like I'm not going to have... A really big orgasm or I'm getting frustrated Mm. then I just switch gears so that I don't have to be frustrated my body can still have the experience of discharging all of that energy
0: are there any certain positions that work better for anal play or does it depend on the person or what do you recommend
1: everything depends on the people who are playing of course Um, I particularly um, love to have um, a bottom Um, that is bent over and on all fours and in, in child's pose, if we have um, yoga people who are listening or anyone who's ever, um, seen a child just flop right down on the floor and put their booty in Mm. the air. So, you know, why that works really great is because usually, um, if you're actually on all fours, you kind of have to hold your weight. But if you can sort of sit back on your, on your heels a bit and, you know, put your head on the on the a pillow or right onto the bed or onto a massage table, then it really opens up the back of the pelvis right, right. really easily. If you're somebody who can, you know, just spread your legs really well, um, and that's really comfortable for you, then, you know, being on your back can also be really great too. It's just a little bit harder to get your hand inside um, the asshole when someone's on their back just because of the, the angle, mm. Yeah, and you know, and then if it, you know, most of the play that I do anally is is with my hands because I feel like I can I can literally feel a whole lot better, which means that I have a lot more information to work with. But if I'm, you know, if I'm, you know, strapping on a a dildo and I am gonna fuck somebody in the ass then I want them either on their knees or I want them bent over something at the same level so that I can stand. Because usually when I stand, I feel like I have a lot more control Mm. and I have a lot more accuracy with the speed and the rate by which I can thrust because fucking an asshole is very different than fucking a mouth or fucking a pussy. Mm. Just because it's not self-lubricating and um, because the asshole can can tighten down and close very, very quickly at a moment's notice.
2: Right, right.
1: <laughs> I, I think the, the, the thing that's just so important for me with anal play is I really want to give people permission over and over again to go slow, to go at whatever pace really works for yeah. you. And if you think that you're going slow, just try to go slower and see what happens.
3: Mm.
1: Because I think there's so much encouragement you know in kink and in any kind of sex and especially in pornography to just keep going faster as if that's the answer and with something as delicate as our assholes i i really really want to encourage us to take our time and really enjoy ourselves that's good advice that's
2: great yeah
1: yeah i'm so good at going really
0: slow too
2: (laughs) yeah (laughs) Mm -hmm. alpha dom has an issue where um there's very little warm up with spanking. It's right into it. So okay. I like this message.
0: Patience I... is not one of my virtues. That is for sure.
2: <laughs> That's it. You need to go slow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that that think, is something
0: it's... you do need to go very, very much slower with. And I think
2: it's great um, advice, like for guys who have had the whole porn fantasy idea in their head you know that that there's nothing about going slow with porn and right it's about sort of right. a to b
0: of course and all those porn right. stars just take it hard and fast right and it, you right. Know, some bitch woman that's right. yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> whereas it's a bit like with the demonstration that's what really hit me just, as i said right at the beginning just how it was about taking a breath and it felt amazing to be watching you and the people you were with you, you'd forget that you were in a crowded room. Yeah, like it just yeah. looked like wow, this mm. is so intimate and powerful—a connection that's going right. on. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah. it
0: was a terrific talk. We really enjoyed it.
2: We really did. Yeah.
0: Mm.
1: Thank you very much. It's really lovely to hear that. And I'm—I was absolutely floored that that room held 196 people, and I think there were two empty chairs and people standing in the back of the oh, room. Yeah,
2: it Not was packed. Yeah. So, it was packed.
1: That class was full. Yeah, yep.
2: Yeah. And you could, you still could have heard a pin drop. <laughs> Great. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. We really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule and this late evening for us.
1: Thanks a lot. Um, I'm glad we finally got to connect. I look forward to hearing um, how it all folds out. Great. Well, Great.
0: thank you, and have a nice evening. Thanks a lot. Bye.